Welcome to Ill-Equipped History, where two ill-equipped friends talk about events in history and have a great time, and we laugh a lot. Woo! <laughs> I'm Morgan, here with my lovely co-host, Emily. Hey, hey! How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I've had an interesting week. Good. That's always fun. Do you want to hear about my my car troubles oh gosh what happened this time <laughs> it's always the weirdest shit that happens with me but i am home alone all day because i work from home and mm-hmm. um that allows me to do things like take care of the house mow the yard stuff like that when i need to well our mower is a diesel mower and it was out of diesel so i was like i will be a productive member of society and at 7.30 one morning, I went and got some diesel. And I'm just going like two miles down the road to the gas station. Didn't really think anything of it. Threw the diesel tank or the diesel like jug into the back of my car and drove to the gas station with it in my trunk. Filled it up with diesel. And on the way home, I pulled into my neighborhood and I have a very steep hill. And when I say steep hill, I mean like... It's really steep. It's basically a small mountain in my neighborhood. And it turns funny. I get to the bottom of this hill on this blind turn. And guess what is three quarters of the way in my lane? A whole ass trash truck coming down this mountain going way too freaking fast. So guess what I have to do? Slam upon the brakes. Oh no. And guess what that does? Spill the diesel. Not only did it knock the diesel can over, it broke the nozzle and about a (gasps) gallon of diesel spilled into the trunk of my car. It was down in where the freaking uh, spare tire is. I had to take the whole spare tire out. I'm on my hands and knees scrubbing the interior. I swear every time I drive my car, I get a headache. It's not gone. Why? Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm Why? So sorry. It's okay. It's just like, what? How? It's always something. I almost sent a strongly worded email, but I couldn't bring myself to do it. <laughs> How to dare the trash your truck trash people. truck take I up know. my lane? I mean, honestly, though, they could have killed me. So, you know, maybe stay sorry. in your lane, literally, people. Yeah. I'm looking at my window. My where I'm recording faces out into the backyard and Kyle has a friend over. And I was like, there's another person here. And I'm in my jammies, my, my baby Yoda fuzzy jammies. <laughs> I, that my mommy got for me for Christmas. <laughs> I am a 30 year old woman. Nick brought home someone once, and I'm literally just chilling on the couch in just, like, a t-shirt, maybe some shorts. And it, the kids had gone to bed already. No bra. Nothing. They just yeah. walk through the door, and I'm just like, okay, blanket, I guess I'm just gonna sit here. <laughs> yeah, goodness gracious. Have like, an awkward fine. conversation. Just give a heads up. Yeah, text me. Damn. I have to tell you and the audience about the experience I had this past weekend. Tell me. 
I, so as I'm sure our listeners who don't know me have figured out, I live in like the general Nashville area, which is a very big area. You can't pinpoint me, but um, <laughs> I did a ghost tour of the Hermitage, which is Andrew Jackson's house that he had in Tennessee. It was a, it's a mansion. Yeah. Um, but I did that with some friends this past weekend, and it was so cool. Um, the the tour guides were dressed in like eighteen, like early eighteen hundred suits, and one guy had like a little top hat, and he was very fancy. Um, and it was I a lot of fun. It, it was very a very history heavy tour, which I really appreciated talking about the life of Andrew Jackson. It started in the the visitor center, which is also a museum. And then we walked across the grounds. And it's, I mean, it's like, it's very isolating. Because you're just surrounded by, like, meadows and woods in the middle of, like, the Nashville area. I've never wanted anything more in my life. Emily, we gotta go. Oh, my God. We gotta come up here so we can do this tour. Oh, my God. And then it got dark and we went inside the mansion and I thought I saw something I didn't I didn't I can it can be explained but I about shat (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even exaggerating so inside the museum or inside the mansion the you can look into different rooms but they're covered in glass panels so you can't go into them oh okay so we were in this one spot, and on one side, there was a room that was lighted, or mm-hmm. lit, and then there's <laughs> a room across from it that was dark, and it had a mirror in it. And so, when I walked up, I saw a black figure that looked like a man, just kind of hovering in the darkness, and I couldn't talk. Like, my heart started beating so fast. I started breathing really hard. I was like, that is a ghost. That is a ghost. That is a ghost. I'm looking at a ghost. I'm going to die. It was just the silhouette reflection of the people that were against the lit room (laughs) reflecting onto the glass. But I wanted to ask our tour guide. I was like, is there a mannequin in that room? But I, like, I didn't want to interrupt. But I was, like, freaking out. Um, but that was not spooky. But there was I one thing. Would have died, I think. I, I mentioned this when we went to, the Bell Witch Cave. Like, yeah. If I see anything, I will die on the spot, and I almost did. Thankfully, I was able to like rationalize it, and I was like, okay. But one thing, one creepy thing did happen. Ooh. So we went after we finished going through the house, which it was it was fun, but it was a little creepy. Uh, we went onto the porch. The back porch, which was empty when we got out there. And then two security guards come up and they're like, hey, we're here to get get that person. And we're like, what person? And they're like, someone called on the intercom saying that there's a person on the back porch that needed to go back to the visitor center. And our tour guide was like, no one's here. It's just us. And like everyone was accounted for. No one left. No one was there because it was like almost eight o'clock at night. Like, no one was there. So we were like, we are all like, okay, that was weird. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. It was, it was really cool, and I got to talk to one of the tour guides. He's been a, 
um, museum curator and historian for like 40 years. And I was like, I have a podcast. And he was like, <laughs> neat. I have a podcast. <laughs> I have a history podcast. Someone's like, so what do you do? I'm a podcaster. <laughs> I'm a podcaster. I'm a podcaster. We were just talking about how cool history, because I mentioned I have a hist- history podcast. Yeah. And um, he was like, yeah, like, and he was talking about how he just did an interview for someone else with a history podcast, like the day before. Oh. And I was like, that's really cool. And um, how, like, kind of mine and your mission, Emily, is to make history more accessible to people. Because it's so yeah. interesting. And but more most... fun. Because, oh my god, if I it's... hear one more drab, drony voice trying to tell me about history, I think I'm going to lose my mind. Make it interesting. Well, and the problem is that most people, when they learn about history, it's they have to memorize a bunch of dates and events and laws and stuff for to pass a test. That's not very yeah. fun. No. But when you get to, like, watch a really cool, well-made documentary about, like, I don't know. I mean, like, like I keep thinking about the Jacobite Rebellion. Like, yeah. that, honestly, a, a little bit was a slog to get through, but it was still really interesting. And honestly, yeah. it's yeah. one of our better performing episodes so far, which is very surprising to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm like, wow, people listen to it. That's so, I'm so happy about that. But anyway, I just wanted to share yeah. that I had a very special experience with actual historians and got to go on a spooky tour. With the professionals, the equipped people. The very equipped people. The very equipped people. If I had college to do all over again, I would probably go historian route. Yeah. Or something of that nature. But I did have a professor that, I don't know, one of those that t- took his job so seriously that he made the class annoying. Mm-hmm. He was just using the class as like, I'm better than you oh, kind of a thing. Fun. And I was like, you're kind of ruining it for a lot of people. Yeah, so, that's not very fun. Quit gatekeeping history to no, it's for fill everyone. your ego. Seriously. It's it's for everyone. If it's for our dumbasses, it's for everyone. <laughs> That's the fucking truth. Because, listen, do you know how many times I wrote, like, 1980-something in the last podcast episode about St. Augustine had to fix it mid-podcast? I was like, well, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> That's not right. That's not right. All right. Well, we're about ten minutes in, so of we're going to go we ahead. Of course we are. Welcome to the show where we just talk at each other for two hours. Okay, so let's just jump on into the skit, shall we? Get at it. Just so you know, before we start, this is not our typical lighthearted skit. It is pretty serious. It's pretty sad. Trigger warning. Deaths of children are involved. So we are going to be taking a more serious tone to the skit. The year is 1440 in Edinburgh. Scotland is in turmoil following the assassination of King James I in 1437, leaving his six-year-old son, James II, to take over as king. In 1439, Archibald Douglas, the patriarch of the powerful Douglas family and next in line to the throne after James II, dies. 
His 15-year-old son, William, is now the head of the most powerful clan in Scotland. Brother, we just received an invitation. Sir Crichton has invited us to dinner with the king. Who's Crichton again? David, he's the king's chancellor. Honestly, he's kind of suspicious to me. He's been after our power for as long as I can remember. From when father was still alive, still, we can't refuse an invitation to dine with the king. Isn't the king a kid? Yeah, I think he's about 10. Still, he's his royal majesty, and we are the noblest house in Scotland. We must make an appearance. Things seem to have been going well so far, brother. I agree. I've been having great conversations with his majesty. He has some great ideas for our future. William, David, thank you so much for joining me in my feast this evening. I've loved having you. I hope we can work together in the future for the betterment of Scotland. Suddenly, Crichton appears with an enormous covered platter. But ho, wait. I have one more surprise for the young Douglases. The final course of our extravagant feast. Crichton, what is this? We've already had dessert. One last surprise. With a flourish, Crichton takes the lid off the platter and reveals the head of a black bull, a condemnation of death to traitors. The room erupts in chaos, and guards rush forward to arrest the Douglas boys. Crichton, what is the meaning of this? Brother, what's going on? Why are we being arrested? The Douglases are traitors to Scotland. No more will they plague our courts. We haven't done anything. You can't. No crime has been committed. I order you to stop this instant. Unfortunately, the protests of the boy king have no influence on Crichton or the guards. The Douglas boys are arrested and a foe trial is held. The boys are not guilty of any real crime, but are summarily beheaded on Castle Hill. The events of what will be known as the Black Dinner are debated. In general, the events of this night are not well recorded, and this portrayal is a dramatized version of some retellings of the event. It is rumored that the boys' deaths were orchestrated by the great uncle, James Douglas, in order to become the patriarch of the powerful clan. What a dickhole. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not great. And, that, and that's just another theory that is also not confirmed because the 1440s of it all. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So today we are going to be talking about Edinburgh Castle, which is the most haunted castle in Scotland. Like literally when I type in haunted castles, Edinburgh Castle is the first one to pop up on Google search. And I've been to this castle. Ah! <laughs> so I'm definitely going to post some pictures of my adventure there. Honestly, most of this story, I'm only going to hit on some like haunted ghost stories at the very end. I'm going to be going through as much of the history of Edinburgh Castle as I could find. I mean, it's pretty morbid in and of itself. This castle has been around for about a thousand years. Jesus Christ. And yeah, a lot of shit has happened there. Yeah. Also, 
I have a correction to make. Okay. Our, our first correction. Yay. Woo. So um, I realized this. So I mentioned earlier the Jacobite episode. They're going to be coming back because the Jacobites were very important in Scottish history. A lot of it also involves Edinburgh Castle. Um, so I realized doing this research in my Jacobite episode, I said that Charles, uh, Prince Charles, had taken over Edinburgh Castle mm-hmm. in his in the final rebellion. I incorrectly stated that he had actually inhabited Holyrood Palace, which is where the royal family lived. Oh, okay. But it is not Edinburgh Castle. They're two different places. So Holy oh, Holyrood okay. Palace, it's about a mile away oh, from okay. Edinburgh Castle. That was a correction. So y'all know we make corrections if we figure out mistakes. So <laughs> Yes. Yes. Please tell us if we yes. fuck it up. Yes. Um, and so researching this is very interesting. Um, I used a new tactic this time where I went, where I was like looking up, found Wikipedia, and then I try to go to the firsthand sources that's listed in the bibliography of Wikipedia just so I can get some more information. And I found kind of like my holy grail for the actual history because I found a lot of like bits and pieces, but then the, I don't know if it's strange, but my biggest resource for finding like the, a timeline of the history of Edinburgh Castle is a souvenir guide for a walking tour. <laughs> I guess that makes sense though. But it's, I mean, it was, very, it was like 65 pages. So it's not Jeez. just like a little pamphlet. It was like a book. I guess that was for sale, but it has it had a ton of information about the castle, and it was written by the principal historian for Edinburgh Castle. Wow. Um, so I'll go into him, and he had another source that I used, but I'll go into them towards the end of the episode. So, all right, 20 minutes in, let's get started. Yay! <laughs> Um, so first is the early beginnings. So we're going to first talk about The Rock, not Dwayne Johnson. Damn. Um, Castle Rock. This is the rock that Edinburgh Castle is built upon, and it's the name of the giant mass. It's a, I mean, huge rock. So this is actually volcanic rock, and the area is the site of a long extinct volcano from millions of years ago, and the rock we know today was formed during the last ice age. Damn. About 10,000 years ago. Yeah. Castle Rock is the longest-running fortified occupants in British history, and archaeological evidence suggests that Castle Rock has been inhabited since the Bronze Age, which is about 900 BC. Holy shit. And author James B. Gillies, I hope I'm saying that right, Sure. purports that Castle Rock used to be a possible prehistoric stronghold inhabited by the Picts, who, from what I can gather, are the indigenous or aboriginal peoples in Scotland. So a little bit about the Picts. There's two accounts I found. One account from the Romans and one account from that's like from actual archaeologists. They they differ a little bit, (laughs) but I'll, I'll explore both. So the Romans claimed the Picts were a warrior race, which instead of wearing clothes, painted themselves head to toe in colorful tattoos and drawings. So they were naked and painted. Sounds fun. They're also militaristically superior to the Romans, apparently. Like, the Romans kept losing to them in battle, which is very surprising because the Romans were the most elite military of the time. 
But like if naked painted people were running at you, I think I would run away or want to join them. I'm not sure which. (laughs) Well, and apparently, according to the Romans, so the Romans had very, very strict guidelines to battle. Right. The Picts did not care about those. They used more guerrilla tactics. They're freewheeling out there. Yeah, they use like trickery them. and surprise to continuously defeat the Romans, apparently. Good for them. So that's the Roman account. Archaeolo- like actual archaeologists um, have found evidence that they did have linen and wool. And this is in Scotland and it gets really cold. So it's most likely they had clothing. Well, of course. Um, they were actually, it's estimated they're, they were peaceful farmers. They had a pretty big agricultural society until the Romans invaded, and then they're like, get the hell out of here to the Romans. So Fuck off. Yeah. And then they vanished in the 10th century, and no one knows what happened to them. Huh. It's likely they were converted to Christianity yeah. when that started becoming a really big thing. Anyway. So, when the Romans were occupying the area, they did finally drive out the Picts. Um, there's another tribe of I guess indigenous people, later known as a Godolphin, in about 600 AD uh, or CE, the Godolphin wrote about Din Aden, which is the original name for the area. Um, and this is the first time Castle Rock appeared in historical record. I think there's a poem. And Din Aden means the stronghold of Aden. Okay. E I D Y N. So I hope I'm saying that right. I don't speak Gaelic, <laughs> so I don't know if I'm saying that right. Eventually, the Romans left, and then the Saxons took over Castle Rock. And in 617 CE, Edwin of Dera, Dera took over. And thenceforth, the area would be known as Edinburgh. So it, it was named Edinburgh in 617. Holy crap. Yeah. From, by Edwin of Dera. So in 680 CE, the Picts conquered it back. But then they were driven out. (laughs) But this time by Northumbrian Saxons. And I looked it up. Northumbria is like northern England and southern Scotland. So it's like that that channel area almost. Or that neck area. Um, And then in 956 CE, Edinburgh officially became a part of Scotland. So all the different areas were united under one Scotland. Got it. So that was like the early history. Now we're getting into the Middle Ages. Of Scotland. A lot happened during this time. So a man named Malcolm Canmore, which is the the anglicized spelling of it. I I saw the Gaelic spelling of it. I can't. can't, I'm sorry. There's a lot of letters. (laughs) Um, But Malcolm Canmore, he was the first first Scottish king to reside in Edinburgh in 1058. I mean, this is way long ago. (laughs) Oh, my God. So after this, Edinburgh became the main royal castle, and the royal family lived there for, like, not the rest of time, but for a very long time. Right. Uh, His wife, Margaret, is very important to Scottish history. She actually became a female preacher of sorts, which... Okay. That didn't happen. Get it, In 1058, you didn't have female preachers. You didn't Um, have female anything. She was actually going to be a nun until, I think she was Malcolm's second wife. That he was like, please marry me. And she was like, okay. I could do a lot. Also, she liked dressing fancy. And the author of the book I read wrote that this is likely where Scottish tartan was worn for the first time. Our our dear Lady Margaret. Miss Fashion Icon. Yeah. 
So uh, Gillies, the author, says that Margaret is only second to Mary, Queen of Scots, as being one of the most famous royals in Scottish history. Wow. Yeah. And uh, this is tragic. Um, so in 1093, Margaret learned of her husband's and oldest son's death in battle. And she died sort of, I guess, of a broken heart, like a couple days later. Um, she only lived a few days after hearing the news. Oh, it was very bless. sad. Um, also, in 1093, or, and I couldn't figure out if this was written in 1093 or if they found it in 1093, um, but there was a written account that was found of the castle being known as the Castle of the Maidens. But no one knows why. No one can figure out why. But one theory is that the Picts kept virgins there. Oh. I don't know. So, anyway, and I'm, I'm trying to follow... A, a chronological timeline as best as I can. It yeah. does kind of jump around a little bit, but I'm doing my best. <laughs> it's a very long history. So Margaret's son David established the Holyrood Abbeys in Edinburgh in 1128, which are still around today. And the Royal Mile connects the Holyrood Palace and Edinburgh Castle. Mm -hmm. It's like a straightaway. You can walk the whole thing. Um, it's up a giant hill, so it's going to take a while, but you can walk. In 1130, David had Margaret's chapel built. It's currently the oldest part of the existing Edinburgh castle. It was built in 1130, and it is still around. It is still used. What? As a chapel today. I, I went inside it. It's this tidy little, little building. It's not even 20 feet long. It's only maybe like eight feet wide, but it is very old. <laughs> <laughs> built in 1130 because at the time it was built in stone and the rest of the castle was built from wood and so it's the only existing i'm part. having the nauseous feeling again it's yeah. so old and it's still around like that's the part like i'm just like what like it's it's still there it's still using like ceremonies and stuff like i i went in that uh, side note i went and found some ancestor like my great 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 great-grandmother turns mm -hmm. out she's buried two miles behind my house and i had no idea mm -hmm. so thank you to my family tree for figuring that out i went and found her she died in like 1891 i think it was her name was henrietta chilcut cowden but anyway uh that's a pretty name it was a pretty name the fact that she was she died in 1891 was blowing my mind the other day. You mean to tell me that this chapel has been used for 700 years longer than that? Yep. Like, the the next oldest part of the castle's like 300 years later. <laughs> so it's actually um, maintained by the Guild of St. Margaret. So Margaret was actually canonized... I think oh. about 100 years after her death. So now she's St. Margaret of Scotland. How so. many children yeah. did she have? You said her oldest son. I think she... I didn't write it down. I think she had two or three sons. Oh, okay. Maybe four. Because I think each of their three sons were king for a little while. Okay. Like their three existing... Or living sons. I apologize. Yeah. Sorry, I just saw the word existing and it came out. Yeah. Their, their three remaining living sons each took a turn at being king, I believe. So I think they had four sons. Okay. 
All right, so in 1296, the castle was besieged and captured by William Wallace, though Edinburgh and the rest of Scotland's castles went back into the British hands and, uh, when Wallace died in when Wallace died until 1312. So, I don't know, like six years, I guess. Oh. And I was trying to find who's, I think King Edward was the British king at the time. In 1312, Robert the Robert Bruce, Robert the Bruce is like another, like there's like William Wallace and Robert the Bruce, like they're very big rebel, like Scottish rebels against the English. Yeah. Um, his younger nephew and a crew of 30 men took the castle back for Scotland for David II, who was um, Mar- Margaret's grandson, I believe. Okay. Because I think her son was David I, so this is David II. So 1312, um, the Scottish took it back. 1335, there was another attempted capture of the castle, but it didn't work. The next year, Edward, King Edward did regain the castle. And in okay. 1341, uh, Walter Curry of Dundee snuck into the castle and took it by surprise using almost Trojan horse methods of ah. infiltrating the castle. Like, he was like, I have wine for you guys. And they're like, great. And he was like, surprise. Surprise, <laughs> motherfucker. Hey, yeah. speaking of Trojan horse, growing up, did you think that that actually happened? Or did you know that it was just like like a legend? I guess I was just like, sure. I don't know. I just <laughs> thought it happened. And I think I found out. Not recently, but I did find out a couple years ago that they're like, yeah, that was just a story. It was just part of what the the Iliad is the story of the... Yeah, I think so. And I was like, what do you mean all of that was just a story? Why did we learn about it then? (laughs) Why was it told to us as fact when it's not fact? (laughs) Yeah, please, I need a disclaimer at the beginning that this is just (laughs) Iliad. This is a story. (laughs) Well, they did a good job because I was in it, so. Yeah, me too. Okay, so, yeah, so Walter Curry of Dundee, he took it back, and it would remain under Scottish rule until Oliver Cromwell took it back again, I think in, like, 1650. And I've briefly mentioned Cromwell in the Jacobite episode, and I'll talk about him again in a little bit, but he's a he's a pretty bad dude. Oh, okay. King David... Uh, I guess David II, built David's Tower to help fortify Edinburgh Castle. And it actually stayed up until the siege of 1537. So almost 200 years. Wow. It stayed up. And, like, the fortifications that came from that allowed the castle to resist the assault from Henry VI in 1400. So, again, bringing it back to the Jacobite episode, after David II died, the Stuart family became the royal family. And I mentioned them. They were the royal family in Scotland up until the Hanovers took over. Okay. So under them, Edinburgh essentially became the capital of Scotland. Yeah. Uh, At this time, Scotland became closely allied with France. And there was actually a lot of French influence on Edinburgh and in Edinburgh, which I thought was really interesting and I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know that either. So in one of the books I was reading, so there's a word for this type of conflict called Tulsi that was derived from a French word. And it basically meant an armed conflict between clans and or families just on the streets of Edinburgh. So I guess like getting into a Tulsi, which I wonder if that's where tussle came from. Oh, that would make sense. Got into a tussle. 
Yeah, they're like but, Wild West style brawling in the streets. So this persisted until the early 1800s and was almost a daily occurrence. <laughs> For like 300 years. Oh my God. <laughs> um, so the stewards did not live at Edinburgh Castle. So apparently it was very cold and just uncomfortable. So the royal family lived, for the most part, at Holyrood Palace, which, again, was just a mile down. Um, but Edinburgh Castle, like, stayed, you know, like, it was kept around just in case the royal family had to, like, flee or hide or, like, take right safety measures. And actually, this happened with Mary, Queen of Scots. She had to run away to Edinburgh Castle and, like, hunker down during the Protestant Reformation. Wow. Because... Um, she was Catholic, and we, we've already talked about how messy Protestant Reformation. Protestant. That's, yep. Yeah. That makes, yep, it tracks. We've mentioned it a couple times now, yeah. <laughs> um, also, the, apparently the gun was invented at Edinburgh Castle in 1384. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. All of us in the South, thank you. <laughs> so, okay, now we're getting into the Renaissance. Or just, like, the era. Like, I couldn't find any, like, actual Renaissance things occurring. It's just the era. So I was trying to break it down. So now we're getting into the Black Dinner of 1440. This is what we opened up with, uh, our skit. So James II was six years old when he became king after his father was assassinated. William Crichton was the governor of the castle. And I saw in another source he was the chancellor. So Crichton invited the Douglases, who were his political enemies, to the castle for dinner and presented them with a bullhead, which was considered a condemnation of death. And again, these were just young boys uh, because their father had been, I think it just said he died. It didn't really say how or why, um, but it was very sudden. So James protested. He was like, no, like what's going on? But he couldn't really change anything. William Crichton was essentially in power because James was still just a boy. And so it was like one of those whole things. Um, And so the Douglases were convicted of treason and put to death, even though they literally didn't do anything. Crichton was just abusing his power. And again, there's also a theory that the whole thing was orchestrated by the great uncle so he could take charge of the Douglas clan. Because it was the most powerful family in Scotland, second only to the royal family. The Red Wedding in Game of Thrones is based off the Black Dinner. Oh, I never so, saw Game of Thrones. If you've seen it, you it's a very traumatic scene. Very, very violent, very, very gory. But apparently, in one source I read, the Red Wedding was based off the Black Dinner. Oh. So. See, I, I can't watch anything that's stressful. Game of Thrones is very stressful, so... I... My uh, my soul can't. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> All right. So, the Royal Palace at Edinburgh Castle was built in the 1430s. Um, so, even though it wasn't, like, where they... Like, the family stayed full-time, it was a yeah. residence of the royal family. Uh, until June 19th, 1633 when Charles I was the last royal to stay at the palace the night before his coronation. And Charles I was the king who was killed during the Civil War. And it 
like then Oliver Cromwell like came and took over and they had the what was it? I yeah. can't remember. But basically, they didn't have a monarchy, and they're like, "No, please, we want the monarchy back." Oh yeah, it was like a council or something like that, and then yeah, that didn't work. a commonwealth. Then... It was a commonwealth. Co- yeah, and it was a C. Yeah, I was like, can't remember. I don't know why I made that noise. I love that you did. So, I was reading this one. It's not really a book because it was only about 40 pages, but it was detailing like the architecture of the castle, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. But it was written in the 1800s, so it was a little hard to read because Victorian English, it's very flowery and I get distracted easily. So this, I read this one like paragraph that I thought was very interesting and it was in a section talking about the constable's tower and the portcullis, which are two just features of the castle right and a portcullis i believe it's like a like a domed like archway or an arch archway but it's like a like a tunnel yeah a little bit and i think there's like gates that can be dropped down okay um, to like prevent people from coming in i believe that's what a portcullis is um i actually have a picture of it from the thing yeah so this is a quote from the edinburgh papers that booklet i read quote when the Scottish Parliament in July 1515 sent a deputation to demand the boy, James V, and his infant brother from their mother, Queen Margaret, this gate became the scene of a picturesque incident. According to Teitler's narration, it was thrown open at the approach of the nobles, disclosing to the populace who rent the air with their acclamations. The royal mistress standing at the entrance, with the king at her side, his hand locked in hers, and a nurse behind, who held his infant brother in her arms. The sight was imposing, nor was its effect diminished when, with an air of dignity and a voice whose full tones all could distinctly hear, she bade them stand still and declare their errand. On their answering that they came in the name of the Parliament to receive from her their sovereign and his brother, the princess commanded that the warder to drop the portcullis, and that massive iron barrier having instantly descended between her and the astonished delegates, she thus addressed them. I hold this castle by the gift of my late husband, your sovereign, who also entrusted to me the keeping and government of my children, nor shall I yield them to any person whatsoever. But I respect the parliament and request respite of six days to consider their mandate. So basically... Wow. And I couldn't figure out the context. I just thought it was a really neat paragraph. So basically the parliament wanted James V, who was a young child, and his brother to, I guess, come to... The parliament and their mother queen margaret was like hell no you can't have my kids mm-hmm. and demanded that the portcullis be dropped right in front of her between her and the crowd and they're like no these are my kids i will do not get between a mother and her children she will kill you all it does not matter if he's the king or not <laughs> no no she that is her child those are her children fuck disrespectfully yeah. fuck off yes. disrespectfully go away so yeah i just i, I love really that. liked i really liked it and i wanted to include it yes <laughs> that's oh, so yeah. dramatic i love it i'm here for the dramatics um and also this was just there like my research it feels a lot more disjointed than it usually does because i was literally just finding little bits here yeah. and there yeah. Um, but in one source I read dwellings in Edinburgh were apparently made out of thatch. 
So when the city was burned, it could just be rebuilt again. Not if. <laughs> just when. No, this isn't St. Augustine where it only happened like three times. I mean, Edinburgh was around for like a thousand years. More than a thousand years. I'm sure it got burned down several Wait, times. Whether so like the walls and shit were thatched too? I don't think there were walls at the time. The wall came later. No, I meant like of the dwellings. Oh, I like everything the was thatch? It said the houses the dwellings were made of thatch. The big bad wolf's gonna blow it down. <laughs> but it can be <laughs> rebuilt pretty easily. <laughs> Use bricks! I don't know! I just thought that was funny. Uh, Later, they'd start using stone, but I think okay. in the early, earlier... The early days, of course. Centuries of Edinburgh, they probably used, like, thatch and stuff that could be easily done. So, before the siege in 15th... There was a big siege in 1573 I'll talk about in just a second. The castle was a lot less substantial, and it was more platforms. And I actually have a picture of that as well. It is the... Yeah. Yeah, the second picture, the east front of the castle, restored as before 1573. So it's pretty open. As you go up Castle Rock, it's mostly just looks like platforms where guards would stay. And you yeah. have to go way up to get... All of that is castle now. Like, all that comes down, like, it's all full of buildings oh and my God. stuff. Yeah. It's been reinforced pretty heavily. Um, in 1523, I had a garrison of 400 soldiers actively maintaining the castle. By 1566, it was no longer the grand royal castle it was in the Middle Ages. Mm -hmm. uh, it was essentially a garrison fortress at this time because it had been it had been subjected to hundreds of years of sieges. Yeah. It's, like I said, it is the most besieged castle in history. Well, ever. When you think about it, this is, what, 600 years after it being built? Yeah. How many updates, honestly, have been going on? A lot. So this is just like an old-ass castle. Yeah. Well, and even then, like, before it was even a castle, like, it was still, like, a stronghold used by prehistoric peoples, potentially. Yeah. And the Romans, you know, so. My God. So I mentioned this earlier. I'm going to going to say this and bring it back. So on June 19, 1566, James VI and I of Scotland and England, who I mentioned in the Jacobite episode, he was born at the Royal Palace in Edinburgh Castle. Mary, Queen of Scots, was his mother. So he was born June 19th, 1566. Charles I, last night in Edinburgh Castle, and the last royal to stay in Edinburgh Castle was June 19th, 1633. 67 years to the day. That's weird. Yeah. And I think Charles I was James VI and first grandson. Okay. I'm trying yeah, to remember. That would make sense. I'm trying to remember the family tree in my head. <laughs> Either grandson or great grandson. But still, I just thought like that was really weird. Wow. So anyway, so James VI and first was born. The only thing remaining from that time within the royal palace. There's a gilded ceiling tile that has James's parents' initials carved on it. So it has M-A-H for Mary and... I forgot. I didn't write down his father's name. I think it was like Henry or something. But it's you can't really see it from the entrance, but it's, it's yeah. in the room. And like when you are touring the 
the royal palace. It's like, this is the rumor. James VI and first was born. And, oh, you can't see it, but there's a ceiling tile that was, it's from 1566. How um, funny is it that no matter what status you are, no matter how old you are, you want to carve your initials in shit. Like, you just... <laughs> Let me carve my initials in this tree. Mary was here. Yeah. That's all I'm... For a good time, call. Like, <laughs> like, why do we do that? I don't know. We want to leave our mark, I guess. Well, it's better than a bathroom stall, I guess. That's true. I mean, it was like her own house, so... True. She can do what I she wants. Doodle. Yeah. So in 15, between 1571 and 1573, there was something called the Lang Siege, which mm-hmm. I've seen some people say it, it's like the Long Siege, but in like with a Scottish accent. And I've also seen other things. It's about like, like the kind of time period and like, I don't know. It was, yeah, it's complicated, but it was a two year bombardment and siege of the castle. And at one point... Edinburgh Castle was suggested a cannon, subjected to cannon artillery for nine days straight, and the castle Jeez. was basically destroyed. I think only the chapel survived on the eastern That's front incredible. of the castle. So wow. I looked it up. I read multiple sources. I still can't figure out what the hell actually happened to cause this. So from what I could find out, essentially Queen Mary, Mary Queen of Scots, married her late husband's like assassin or killer. And that caused a lot of civil unrest. And I guess Mary ended up abdicating and fled to England. And she was held prisoner there for the rest of her life. And then I guess her political rivals were, like, besieging the castle. I don't... I can't figure it out. I literally read, like, five different things, like, trying to figure out what the hell happened. And I can't... (laughs) That's so weird. It's very weird. I'm like, why? Why? Like, she wasn't even there anymore. Why were they attacking the castle? Like, I couldn't find out why. So, if you know, listener, if you know, please tell me because I'm dying to know. (laughs) Yeah, help. (laughs) Please. Also, the castle was used as a prison for a long time. There are dungeons. Um, Currently, the dungeons... The current dungeons are a children's museum. <laughs> no! Why would they do that? Why would they do that? They're asking for haunted children. They're just asking for it. Oh, no. It's like this really fun little interactive place where you can, like, learn about the history of Scotland and, like, the minerals and, like, the way of life. And it's just... <laughs> Um, they don't have, like, cells down there or anything, do they? So, it's like, um, you go into a cell and it's like a little, like, museum room. And there's, like, like six of them. And they're, like, decent-sized rooms, so I guess they held a bunch of people at one time, but there are six different rooms. But they're like, welcome to the dungeons, it's a children's museum now. I don't know how to feel. I don't I don't know what's happening in here right now because like you took something so bad. And like I applaud you for making it happy, but like maybe don't 
<laughs> Maybe don't. Um, at one point, it was a debtor's prison under James the Sixth, and that actually had to be changed because there were so many prisoners because of debt. Quote: In 1607, the Privy Council was obliged to order that it should that it should thenceforth be reserved for those only who were awarded for crimes of treason, lese majesty, which I, I don't know what that is. I guess like speaking bad about the king and other great offenses and that no one under the rank of a noble should be confined in it for debt. So they're trying to find a way to like depopulate, like depopulate the prisons. Like oh only God. the really, really bad people or nobles who are in debt can be there. Also, like, how are you going to pay off your debt if you're locked up in a cell? Yeah, I don't know. In a castle. On top of a cliff. <laughs> so next, I'm going to talk very briefly about Mom's Meg. Mom's okay. Meg is a cannon that weighs six tons. Jesus. And could fire 350-pound gunstones over two miles. I'm sorry. Pump the fucking brakes for a second. <laughs> Did you say 300 pound? And 50. 350 pound rocks. Two miles? Yeah. It's a big-ass cannon. It literally took a team of 100 men to move the thing. Because, again, it it weighs six tons. It shoots rocks twice as far as the Vasa got. (laughs) (laughs) It weighs 120,000 pounds. Oh, my God. it's It's at Edinburgh, right? It's at the castle right now. I got to see it. Hi, this is an editor's note as I'm editing the episode. I realize now that six tons is not 120,000 pounds, but 12,000 pounds. I'm not good at math. Sorry. Oh, how big is it like in comparison to like you? There's a picture of it. Oh my God. Is that like a full grown man? Yes. And it's like solid iron or whatever. Yeah. It's a, it's a big ass cannon. What the fuck? (laughs) It fired for the last time in 1681 when the barrel exploded. In 1754, she was taken to the Tower of London following the demilitarization of Scotland following the Jacobite Rebellion. Okay. But was returned to the castle in 1829. Wait, so is it put back together? Yeah. Or looks? Okay. Yeah. It's no longer firing. But you you can see. And it's... I'd have to look for a picture, but it's, it's a big cannon. Okay, <laughs> really yeah. Big. Yeah, that thing looked huge in the in the doodle. Yeah. I meant to look up more about this, and I just didn't. Um, apparently, in 1639, Edinburgh Cap- Castle was captured in 30 minutes by Covenanter forces. I don't know what came of that. They I meant just, to look it up. What'd they do? Just stroll on it? <laughs> I guess. And... December 25th, 1650, Oliver Cromwell, who is the Lord Protector of England, captured the castle. Again, he's not a great on, dude. On December 25th? On Christmas Day, yeah. On Christmas Day? Yeah. Satan himself took the castle. Damn. Maybe that's maybe it's a lot to call Oliver Cromwell Satan, but he was, he was not a nice dude. I mean... He was literally the guy that was, like, trying to purge the Irish. And people were like, whoa, you gotta stop. Okay, well, if the shoe fits. Yeah. So I have another thing about the Jacobites here. Okay. Uh, It's kind of funny, but it's also not funny. 
so the Jacobites attempted to capture the castle in March of 1689. So I think this was the first rebellion. They were trying to scale the western cliff of the castle. They had bribed two soldiers manned at the castle to help them scale. Mm-hmm. And, like, they were going to put them up on the ramparts. I don't know. The They brought a ladder, but it was too short. And then the privates who were trying to help them were noticed by an officer. And so they dropped everything. And then the ladder and all the men on the ladders crashed down the cliff. I mean, okay, look. You're right. It is funny, but it's not funny. Yeah. But, like, if you're going to... Please measure the walls before yeah. bringing ladders. I can't believe they found a ladder tall enough. To, I mean, this castle is literally hundreds of feet in the air. I, yeah. don't, I can't believe they found a ladder tall enough. <laughs> or that, like, you would get on that ladder. Absolutely not. Yeah. How wobbly would that thing be? Oh, gosh. And it's all rock. Like, it's all just solid like I said, volcanic rock. It's not smooth. There's not, like, little steps to, like, rest things on. Like, it is just a rocky cliff. Yeah. Uh, the, the castle did serve as a Jacobite prison when the rebellions were going on. Of course it did. Yeah. Okay. So now we're entering the modern era. Okay. Edinburgh Castle is besieged for the last time in 1715 by the Jacobites. So last time it was, like, taken over. The castle went through a lot of restoration in the 1800s. In 1818, Sir Walter Scott found the crown jewels. What? Which are Scottish. They're Scottish in origin. They had been hidden away for over a hundred years following the unification of Scotland and England. Wow. Like literally in a wall. Oh my God. So he decided to put the crown jewels on display and the, that's when the castle started becoming a tourist attraction. And actually, they are still on display. I got to see the crown jewels. Oh, cool. um, all but the scepter. I didn't get to see the scepter because I think it was away from Maine. But I saw, I saw the crown. I saw the cape. I saw, I don't know, like the other little things that they have. You, could, you couldn't take a picture. So I don't remember everything that was in there. But yeah. And then, yeah, the crown jewels are still kept in Edinburgh Castle. In 1830, a child's remains were found in the walls of the castle wrapped in cloth, and it is believed that this may be the remains of Mary Queen of Scots' stillborn child. Well, that's sad. I know. It's very sad. This is, this is not a happy story. Like, the history of Edinburgh Castle is very bleak. Yeah. The yeah. only, like, positive thing is that it has lasted this long. Yeah, honestly. seriously. This is going to make you very sad. There's a dog cemetery that was created in the 1840s as a final resting place for regimented dogs and officers' pets. Okay. It's just... It's sad. It's a tiny little cemetery. But also the fact that they loved them that much and respected them enough to give them their own cemetery makes my heart happy. I know. Because they deserve it's, it. It's really cute. I took a picture of it. And you can't get to it. It's like... So there's like this big wall. Yeah. It's actually right below the um, Margaret's Chapel, but it's like halfway up the wall. So I think you need like a ladder to get to it or something, but you can look down on it. But yeah, there's like flowers and these tiny little gravestones (gasps) that just like mark this. It's like this little half wall that comes out, this curved half wall. And it's just this little doggy cemetery. Um, Big time skip. 
1989, 15 skeletons were found where the current ticket booth is at the entrance to the castle. And these were found to be soldiers' remains from the first Jacobite rebellion in 1689. Like, in the ground? 300 years later. Like, in the ground? Like, exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, th- I imagined so, them in a wall or something. I was scared for a second. No, it's, so the current, the ticket booth is, like, outside of, like, the main, it's, like, right outside the main entrance. So I assume it was in the ground, but I'm sure they were excavating. But the, the skeletons were from 1689. They were found in 1989. So 300 years later. Oh, my God. That, were they, like, buried I there? I think so. What were they trying to do? Build the ticket booth? Probably. Or maintaining it or something, but yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's a, a church in the castle called St. Mary's Church. It's also, it's not as old as St. Margaret's Chapel, but it's also really old. And it was one of the first, so, the second stone structure uh-huh. of the castle, I believe. It's now the site of the Scottish National War Memorial. Okay. It's very beautiful, very somber memorial it has i think it started in world war one but it has all of like the deceased oh. combatants in world war one on oh. like world war two all major wars that scottish soldiers fought in wow. it's a memorial for them yeah and like it has all the different regiments of the different of the scottish military because they have a bunch of different regiments and today, Edinburgh Castle is a, still a major military history site. There's three history museums or war museums within the, the castle. And it's the location of the yearly Edinburgh Military Tattoo, which is a giant military festival, basically, oh. um, going back 70 years, starting in 1949. So That's cool. Yeah, that's, that's kind of all I have. But now I have ghost stories. Spooky! So none of these are proven. These are just stories about ghosts that people have seen, but there's no hard evidence of any of these. Okay. So disclaimer before. But I don't know. Ghost stories are just fun. Yeah, I love that. Um, well, some of them are sad, but, but again, like hauntings come from tragedy. So the first one is the Lone Piper Boy. So at one point, the tunnels underneath Edinburgh were being excavated, and they got to a point where men could no longer fit in the tunnels too small, so they sent a boy with bagpipes. And what they had him do was play the bagpipes as loud as he could, and they were going to track him above ground and, like, track the tunnels. And then suddenly they stopped. And they went down, they tried to find him. No trace of him was ever found again. Oh, Bless. And they eventually had to seal up the the tunnel. Yeah. So no sign of him was ever found. It was like he vanished into thin air. They couldn't find the pipes. They couldn't find clothing. They couldn't find the boy. Nothing was ever found. Very that sad. That breaks my heart. Oh. I know. Next, the headless drummer boy. So in 1650, servants saw a headless drummer boy playing his drum in the central courtyard of the castle. A few months later, the castle was attacked by Oliver Cromwell. No one knows who the boy is or why he appeared, but he's considered an omen of imminent attack. And late at night, as Edinburgh sleeps, sometimes you can hear the distant sound of a snare being played 
upon the ramparts. That he has not been seen again, but sometimes he is heard. Next is the Grey Lady. There's two different theories on who the Grey Lady is. One theory says Janet Douglas, Douglas, mm-hmm. um, the Lady of Glamis, or Mary Deguise, Deguise, I don't know how to say that, I'm sorry. Janet is said to haunt Edinburgh Castle and Glamis Castle. She was burned at the stake in 1537 after she was found guilty of witchcraft and treason. Ugh. As women were wont to have been subjected to. How dare us have opinions and (laughs) be smart. Right. So it is said that if she is the Grey Lady at Edinburgh Castle, she's more active at Glamis Castle. But she shows up every once in a while. Or the Grey Lady is Mary de Guise, who is Mary Queen of Scots' mother. And she passed away from dropsy in 1650. What is and that? dropsy is um, edema. It's um, when, like, a part of your body starts filling up with fluid. Oh, oh, okay. Got it, got it, got it. But it's called dropsy, which is a very cute, fun name for something yeah. that's very terrifying so and scary. So horrible. This one isn't really a story, but it's just the dungeons. <laughs> yeah, the, just the dun- That's all you have to say, really. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, the dungeons are hella haunted. Uh, in the early 2000s, some construction workers refused to work there because they were being harassed by spirits and ghosts so bad. Also, this isn't really a ghost story, but it's just really impressive, honestly. In 1811, 49 French prisoners who were being held there escaped by digging a hole in the wall of the dungeon. And you can still see the hole today. It's like, Good for them. It's like this big around. It's not very big at all. How do they um, get through it? Through sheer determination. Jesus Christ. I guess. Um, My ass would never. <laughs> I would get stuck in that hole so hard. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, the next the next story again there's no evidence of this ever actually happening but this is also kind of a funny and sad story Uh, so this is the prisoner who tried to escape in a dung cart so there is a prisoner he tried to escape edinburgh dungeons by hiding in a waste barrel or cart because he expected to be dumped like with other excrement but instead the cart was dumped over the side of the walls of the castle (laughs) And he fell to his death. So apparently... Um, that was a he's... shitty situation. <laughs> it's a shitty way to go. <laughs> oh, he probably uh, beat the crap out of him on the way down. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm taking the piss out of him. No, it's okay. Sorry. There's no evidence this actually <laughs> happened, so it's fine. But apparently if you smell a very strong scent of poo... It's the ghost. <laughs> what a horrible way to be known. Could you I imagine know. living the afterlife and you're just like trying to get like your message across and everyone's like, Jesus. <laughs> also, like, that is the most tragic way to go. You're like, okay, I'm going to really just go through it. I'm going to hide in shit. Uh. And then you're dumped over the side of. The castle that's on a cliff. I'm going to be honest. He he probably went out better because he would have died of just pink eye at that point. <laughs> Die of pink eye. All right. I have one more ghost okay. story. It's just, it's not really even a story, but apparently there's a creature called the Black Hound. 
Um, this is just a dog ghost that hangs around the castle. Like in a good way? Or like I, have, a demon I didn't say any bad things. It's just okay. a dog ghost. Sometimes he's black, sometimes he's white. But there's a dog cemetery, so maybe it's a little doggy ghost. I didn't see it like being an omen of anything. It's just a dog. I like that. So. Yeah. I like that. And that is the history and some spooky stories of Edinburgh Castle, the most haunted and besieged castle in Scotland. So I do want to talk about some of my sources because some of them are were pretty, I don't know, like they helped me a lot. So one I read is the Edinburgh Papers, Ancient Domestic Architecture of Edinburgh, Edinburgh Castle as before the siege of 1573 by Robert Chambers. Uh, that was written in 1859, <laughs> oh, and it was about architecture. I did have to skip through that book a little bit. I'm sure you did. Yes, and that, again, it wasn't really <clears throat> a book, because it was only about 40 pages. Yeah. Then Edinburgh's, Edinburgh Past and Present by James B. Gillies. Um, that was more of a book. It was written around the same time, but it was about 160 pages, so I would consider that a book. And then... The same guy wrote my next two sources. So Chris Tabraham, he is a principal historian for Edinburgh Castle, I assume. He wrote Scotland's Castles and Edinburgh Castle, the official souvenir guide. And that one I got a ton of, like, information from. Like, he put everything in a nice neat timeline, had some, like, little, like, did you know facts that I thought were interesting and I added in. So that was really great. And then I have a list of the websites I used. Um, but yeah, so that's that great. Edinburgh Castle. And I'll post Thank some pictures you. of me there because I went there. I'm, I'm still bragging still very about jealous. it. Still very jealous. We'll, we'll go sometime. Okay, good. My sister's like permanently immigrating there. So she'll, she'll be there for a while. So with like all of our Patreon money, we're just going to go to Scotland. <laughs> Hope you guys like Scotland. That's going to be the bonus content for the next year. Yeah. <laughs> Just us dicking around in Scotland. I would have fun with that. I would too. It's fun yeah. to dick around in Scotland. It is fun to dick around. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Well, like my sister, like I love my sister and it was very fun to go with her, but she was like, she was so excited to show me a lot of things. And we were, like, we saw, like, so many things yeah. every single day. There wasn't a lot of dicking around. It was just like, all right, we're going to this castle this day, and we're going to this castle this day, uh, we're going to this castle this day, and then we're going to the museum, and we're going to another castle. And I had a great time. Like, it was so much fun, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. But it was like, she's like, we're getting down to business. I'm showing you shit. Yeah. <laughs> so next time is going to be mostly just dicking around. Yeah. It has like, to be. Wah! Which literally is just like, like running around like our boston trip we were just like <laughs> we would make plans you know max two hours before we did them yeah that's fine and we had a yeah. great time we did we did plan out just a little bit if we knew we had to go like across town to the art museum or whatever yeah but um i st- my favorite part was where we went to Jim Curley's, and then the next day we were sitting there, we're like, oh, we, we don't want to go back to the hotel. Where do you want to go? You want to go back to Jim Curley's? Let's do it. Yes, we I do. We had a great time. I, we made, like, a bunch of new friends. 
I've never been so drunk and hydrated at the same time. They made sure <laughs> your water was full, and I yes. appreciate that. Yes. If you're in Boston, go to Jim Curly, Jam Curly's. They take good yeah. care of you, and it's a really great little bar. Yes. And uh, them getting on the airplane the next day hungover was not... Oh <laughs> Me and Emily, so we were at the airport together, but <laughs> Emily's flight was before mine. And for like the hour we were waiting for her flight to get in, me and her just sat together and just laughed at our pictures from the week before for an hour straight. Literally got to the point where like the lady next to us and I think the lady across from us were laughing at yeah. us laughing. Yeah. And they were like, oh my God, they're still laughing. <laughs> and we were just laughing so hard. Like like the, the silent laughing that you get when you yeah. can't breathe anymore. I'm sure y'all hear a lot of that, too. Yes. Um, and remember when they started calling people on the plane and my my brain had, like, a, a thought bubble moment, but the thought bubble wasn't there? And they were like, does anybody who, uh, like, needs extra support or something come get on the plane first? And out loud, very loudly, I said, <laughs> does being hungover count? <laughs> And the lady next to us died laughing. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, I meant to keep that in my brain. That was very funny. I don't... That was not my favorite part of that trip, though. Of, the, of us being in the airport. I don't know if you want me to talk about... We can cut it. What's, what was the favorite part? When you were going through security. <laughs> yeah, you can talk about it. That's fine. Good. I had to make sure it was okay with Emily yeah, yeah, before yeah, I talked fine. about it. I have never laughed harder in my life. Like, thinking about it now, I'm going to cry again. I know it. It was the funniest thing in my life. Because I watched this happen to Emily. Emily's gone. Um, so we're going through security. And I'm, cry I'm welling up with tears now just thinking about it. Emily is, <laughs> she's coming through the, the spinny thing. And the, wait, was it like the x-ray machine? The x-ray, that's what yeah. it's called. And she gets out and they're like, stop. And I can see the thermal image of her x-ray. <laughs> her, her groin area. I don't know a better way to phrase that. It's like bright red. My, <laughs> you too thick, I guess. My, and the the secure the TSA lady takes her to the side and is like, "Do you have any explosives?" And Emily is just like, "No." <laughs> and she gets oh searched God. by TSA. <laughs> he had to feel up my entire ass and. The vagina area because they thought I was. <laughs> She's just wearing leggings. She doesn't even have pockets. <laughs> Where do you think of putting this explosive? This is the funniest material? shit I've ever seen in my entire life. Like no, ma'am, I just walked a mile and I'm thick. I don't know what to tell you. And they felt me up in front of literally everyone. Oh my god. And like immediately after that happened when I gained my ability to breathe. 
I called, so we went with our friend Corey, and I immediately called Corey, who's on her way to visit her friends. And I was like, Corey! And I think I called my mom. Yeah, I think I called Nick. And I was like, honey, I, I don't know, I got felt up in the airport, but like in a legal way. <laughs> I'll never forget the lady. Do you, are you carrying any explosive? And you just, you like, you look around, you like shrug your shoulders, and you just go, I'm hungover no. as shit. No. Like, I, don't. I just want to go home. I'm oh sorry I caused friction. I don't oh know what to God. tell you. funniest shit I've ever seen. I just know that my face was probably just like defeat. I'm like, I don't was, know what to do. Exasperation was a good a good description of your face. And I was just standing there watching her and just dying. I, I held I was able to hold it together until like we left security. But oh my god. It was a treat to witness. Uh, I just had I'm just I've got an explosive body. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, so then we promptly went and got food and coffee because I felt yes. like I deserved it. Yes. Because yeah. we were very hungover. Because yeah. the night before we'd been at J.M. Curley's. Oh, yeah. God. Well, and that was our, like, second spot of the night. We went to one restaurant, had, yeah. like, five shots there each. Then went to J.M. Curley's and had, like... I think we had, like, nine shots total, at least, yeah. plus other drinks. Was that the night that I kept fixing the toilet in the woman's restroom? In yes. the women's restroom, and everyone was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I have to pee, and I'm not waiting in line. Yeah, I'm fixing the so, toilet. Yeah, that was yeah. that night. I made friends. <laughs> oh, like, I made best friends with this one girl. I don't even remember her name, but I was like, we kept going to the bathroom at the same time, and we're like, well, we're best friends now. Yeah. You brought her back to our table. You I were did. Like, I, was I like, this met this girl in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to get like another girl's phone number and I was like inviting yeah. her and she's like going to Harvard. I'm like, you're out of my league, ma'am. <laughs> like, yeah. She was getting her doctorate at Harvard and we're like, okay, smarty pants. Yeah. Whatever. She was Come really hang nice. Out with me. <laughs> yeah. No, we were like buying her drinks and we were just like, okay, you're a part of our group now. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're okay. an hour and 20 minutes in, so oh, um, you guys get to hear more Boston stories. <laughs> we're, we will talk about that Boston trip probably until we die. We die. Yeah. And I think that trip was also a testament to our love of history. We took two history tours on that trip. Yeah, because we did the... We did a Salem one. Yeah, we did the ghost tour. Which was more spooky, yeah. Yeah. But also a lot of history. And then the one in Boston where he told us about all of JFK's affairs and where those took place. Yeah. But, I mean, like, we went to museums. I mean, we went to the History Museum in Boston. We We went to several museums. Like, in Salem and Boston, we just walked yeah. around and we're like, history's cool. We yeah. went to the Sam Adams Brewery, learned about the history of the Sam Adams Brewery. Yeah. yeah. I posted one of those pictures. 
Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it's getting late, and yes. we've got to get going. So, uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we may have some other social media coming out if it's not all out already. We have no idea when that's going yeah. to come. <laughs> we don't know what's happening. We don't know. Um, please uh, donate to our Patreon if you feel so inclined. Yes. Um, I think our our first tier is shout outs, right? Yeah, I think our first tier is shout outs. And then bonus content for the second tier. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, so just so... Because I feel like, well, these episodes will be airing after our Patreon comes out. Yes. Um, we're still, it's, we haven't seen anyone who signed up yet. So as soon as we start getting people sign up, we will start announcing those names because we yes. record in the future. <laughs> and we record release. in the future? <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Okay. That's how time works, right? We're not recording in the past. No. We're recording for the future. Yes. I'm confused. Sure. I just imagine, like, back to the future. <laughs> so. <laughs> Marty, we're going back to the future. I've still never seen those. You gotta. They're so good. I, I've i seen no movies, apparently. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, guys. I'll, I'll try to fix her. <laughs> yeah. Uh. If you're going to climb a wall, make sure the ladder's tall enough. Yeah. Um, and if you're going to build something out of stone, good job, because it'll probably be around for a thousand years. Yeah. Yeah. So. And uh, ghost dogs are good? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. Ghost dogs? Yep. Love ghost dogs. Yep. More okay. dogs I can pet. Or try to pet. <laughs> I'll at least try to hug them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's all I have, I think. My brain. I'm starting to get yeah. like my brain is like, shoom. Yeah. It's, we're shutting down. We're shutting we're down. We're shutting quick. down. Okay. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.